What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We're three disgruntled former Jedi apprentices. I'm Matt Johnson, and I wish this show took place entirely on Tatooine since I don't feel like we explore it enough in the Star Wars universe. I'm Keith Baker, and I guess I need to look out for whales next time I'm on a flight. And I'm Austin Terry. And are lightsabers basically just bright, normal swords now? Because they certainly don't seem as powerful as they used to. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's the question that Qui-Gon still wants answering in the Jedi afterlife, where he's a Force ghost. He's watching people in the Obi-Wan show. He's watching people in this show. Like, you can just, yeah, you can take a lightsaber to the gut these days. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it used to be like a, a killing blow. Like, you didn't want to even touch a lightsaber. And now you just do what you want with it. Cut your yeah. legs off, survive, whatever you want. I guess that is true. Anakin was always pretty good about surviving with none of his limbs still intact. <laughs> <laughs> but on today's show, of course, we are returning to the Star Wars universe with the first four episodes of Ahsoka over on Disney+. Plus. After the fall of the Galactic Empire, former Jedi Knight Ahsoka Tano is investigating an emerging threat to a vulnerable galaxy and perhaps the return of somebody really scary with Grand Admiral Thrawn. Um, so let's get into it, guys. Austin and Keith, were you excited at all for this series going in? And of course, let us know your non-spoiler thoughts on the first four episodes of Ahsoka. Yeah, I actually was pretty excited for this one heading into it. Um, I am not super familiar with Ahsoka from the animated projects, but I did love everything we got from Rosario Dawson in the other Mandoverse stuff. Um, so the idea of her getting her own show, an actor of her caliber coming in and being a Jedi, carrying a Star Wars show was super exciting to me. And I got to say, I'm pretty happy to be back enjoying a Star Wars project, especially after the dud that for me was The Mandalorian Season 3. I would say this is probably, for me, closer in quality to Andor. Um, so I've been pretty hooked every week. There's only been one episode that I thought was kind of a dud, and that was Episode 3. Just felt a little bit like wasted time. Everything else, though, the general story, all of the Jedi stuff, um, being closer like back to the main like Star Wars plots after spending a lot of time out in like the Mandalorian, like outer reaches has been more interesting to me than I thought it would be. Um, so yeah, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. It's one of the highlights of my week when a new episode comes out and just can't wait to see where they go with the rest of the show. Yeah, I would say I was excited for this too. I'm like you, Austin, with Ahsoka being like the surviving Jedi from Order 66 is really interesting to me. Don't know a lot about her. It, this show definitely makes me want to go back and watch the Clone Wars. I know we've been saying that for years now and I still have not uh picked up on it yet but do want to go back and watch that because i know i'm missing a lot here i feel like my thoughts overall on the show so far i'm definitely not quite hooked yet i have a feeling I'm probably gonna be lower on this one than you guys so far but i think in this last episode we did get uh i was definitely more excited to see what's gonna happen next i think for me right now i'm just kind of trying to figure out these characters and and trying to figure out the i guess like the writing and the pacing of the show it was definitely i and, and maybe it's because I did I did binge all four episodes all at once, so maybe that's kind of messing me up. I did not go week by week on this on this one, um, but we'll get into that later on my thoughts uh, on negatives and positives. But overall, not bad, but definitely not my top uh, Star Wars show yet. Yeah, your thoughts on not knowing if you're supposed to know a character and things like that. That's I think going to be the interesting for this conversation is because none of us are super tied to the animated stuff. So for us, these are all new characters. So. How does the show balance bringing in new fans like us and then also returning longtime fans who have seen all the other content as well? It can be hard sometimes in that regard. I, I do like that the show isn't holding our hands necessarily. They're just like, hey, you know, we're going to try and make this to be a good jumping off point. But definitely it does feel like that we should have, you know, watched some more of the animated stuff. But 
That being said, I am still finding a lot of enjoyment here, probably closer to Austin in terms of how I feel overall about the series. I wouldn't say it's super close to Andor for me yet, but just the fact that it's closer to that than something like Book of Boba Fett or Obi-Wan for me is definitely exciting. So I'm excited to have a live action Star Wars project that I'm a bit more into. And I do think in some ways it does feel similar just in terms of, I don't know, not quality, but maybe tone to some of like the Mandover shows, specifically maybe the Mandalorian where, you know, we were introduced to her. But I do think as the series has gone on, it started to kind of um, set itself apart for me. I think it is kind of forming its own tone, which is exciting. Um, and yeah, Rosario Dawson, love her, and she's carrying the show super well. And yeah, we're, we're halfway through the series now, four episodes to go. And I don't know, I think they've done a pretty good job for me so far of not having too much filler, which is my biggest complaint about The Mandalorian. So I'm, I'm pretty hooked, I would say, uh, in terms of this story and kind of the looming threats you know, that could it end up impacting what we see later in The Force Awakens? It sounds like it, and it's actually turning into something that I'm pretty excited week to week see unfold. So I'm I'm way more into it than I thought it would be going in, because I wasn't that excited for it going into it, I don't think. Yeah, filling in the gaps and hopefully connecting to the newest sequel trilogy is, is what's keeping me interested as well. Um, the other thing I think that's hooked for me is I do think there should be a place in Star Wars for all age ranges. Um, But for me, The Mandalorian got way too childish, especially in season three. And so I like that Ahsoka is kind of staying at that mature level. And it is not really holding your hands. It's expected you to know these characters. It's throwing some interesting like plot points at you, but it's doing exactly what it set out to do with the show. And it's not like doing anything with like talking puppets or like anything like that. Like I'm really enjoying this stuff. Also, no robot de-aged Mark Hamill. So always a plus for me there. That is true. That is true. The force is one with you. (laughs) <laughs> Grogu. <laughs> so dumb. Ah, I can't get that scene out of my head. It's so bad. Um, but before we talk too much about other Star Wars live action shows, let's go ahead and drop the spoiler warning for Ahsoka. The rest of our conversation will be all out spoilers. And this one, there's a lot to talk about. So if you have any interest in Ahsoka at all, I would actually recommend checking it out over on Disney Plus and then coming back to make sure you listen to the rest of our conversation from here. Wouldn't want to spoil it for you. But yeah, this is going to be a fun one. It sounds like we have two people pretty high on it and then Keith uh, a little bit lower on it. So I think it's, it's going to be a good conversation. And I have been attempting to watch uh, the Clone Wars show and all the animated stuff, but I've been on season one for about two years now. I keep thinking <laughs> I'm further into the show and then I look at the episode count and it's like season one, episode 19. I'm like, God damn, I'm never going to get through this thing. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, I wish I could do it. I just recently started a like a curated list that somebody on Reddit posted, which is just like what they call the essential episodes. And I think it's like 30, I want to say. So I'm going to try tackling that. I've started and so far so good. I haven't gotten any of those weird season one, like C-3PO Jar Jar spinoff adventures that Dude, frankly that's I don't the care thing. too much about. <laughs> that's the thing. There is way too much Jar Jar in this show for me. I get one like great episode and then it's like four straight episodes of Jar Jar and Padme. And I'm like, oh, just kill me now. (laughs) (laughs) Jar Jar and Padme. (laughs) My favorite duo. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into it again. This is your final warning. The rest of this conversation is going to be spoilers. Let's get into it. Misa, Misa, I love you, Padme. (laughs) (laughs) All right, (laughs) He does that every episode. Every episode, Anakin walks around a corner and he goes, Eddie!
right, guys, before we get into our discussion here, let's do some cast, crew, and critical reception talk. All right, so Ahsoka is, of course, created by Dave Filoni, who was a collaborator with George Lucas on the animated Clone Wars show and then became the main like creative lead for the Rebel show. So super excited that he's carrying this into live action. Our boy John Favreau is only a executive producer on this show. So kind of nice to not have his hands involved after he ruined The Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> All four episodes of this show so far have been directed by Dave Filoni, Steph Green, and Peter Ramsey. The show is written by Dave Filoni, who wrote all eight episodes by himself. And our score for the show is composed by Kevin Kiner, who is returning from Clone Wars, Rebels, The Bad Batch, and Tales of the Jedi. And, of course, based on Star Wars by George Lucas and Star Wars Rebels by Dave Filoni, Simon Kingberg, and Carrie Beck. All right. Going to our cast, we got Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano, Natasha Lou Bordizo as Sabine Wren, Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Harris Sindola, Ray Stevenson as Balin Skoll, Ivana Sakno as Shin Hadi, Diana Lee Insanto, returning from Mando Season 2 as Morgan Elsbeth, And we got Amon Esfandi as Ezra Bridger. Genevieve O'Reilly returning as Mon Mothma. And we got David Tennant as Hoi Yang, reprising his role from Rebels. And we got the great and powerful Hayden Christensen returning as Anakin Skywalker, digitally de-aged. All right, guys. They they didn't go the Obi-Wan route. We're just leaving him as a 40-year-old man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. There's our long casting crew. Any positives? Any negatives? What do we got? I'm going to take the lead um, and give my highlight to Rosario Dawson. I think she truly is carrying the show. I've really enjoyed her dynamics um, with Sabine. From the limited stuff I've seen in the animated show, like seeing that kid Ahsoka to now as like an adult, like wise Jedi, passing it on to another young Padawan who is like angsty and, and doing a lot of the stuff Ahsoka does in the show. That change in her relate, like I can buy that Rosario is still that character from the animated show. So I think she's doing great. Her presence, I think, has really elevated the show. Um, and yeah, like anything we're doing with action, it's super cool to see her like wielding lightsabers and then all the fight scenes, but then also the more, um, I guess emotional stuff with her teaching Sabine how to use the force and things like that. This is one of the most like master apprentice relationships we've seen in Star Wars in a long time. So really enjoying that. Um, I'll just shout out Ray Stevenson as Balin school. I've always liked Ray Stevenson as, as an actor, uh, you know, he hasn't I guess he hasn't been like a huge leading guy in a lot of stuff, but he's always kind of like the side guy in a bunch of movies. And I've always liked him and everything he's in. And I think he's great in this too. I think he plays a good villain. I really liked his um, his intro in the first episode. I thought that was pretty badass. Really want to learn more about his character and, and even his uh, the Padawan as well of his and see kind of... I want, I'm more interested in their, uh, their history and where they came from because I don't know if we really got a lot of it. Uh, but yeah, really liking him so far in this. Yeah, and he's an interesting one because he doesn't seem full Sith yet. Like it, it is interesting seeing him be emotional about one of Ahsoka being one of the few Jedi's, and then not killing Sabine and saying he keeps his word and things like that. So the th- term I keep seeing thrown around online is a dark Jedi, which is something we haven't really seen. Like, what is the in between between a, a Sith and a Jedi? Which is interesting to explore. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just the idea of them being mercenaries too is cool. And even if they aren't Jedi, they're still treating themselves like Jedi with the Master and Apprentice thing. So, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I've been liking that character as well. Definitely a shout out for me, too. Um, but, yeah, I guess on the acting side, I would like to shout out Natasha Luberdizo, Sabine Wren, a character that I don't know anything about previous to, to the show like we've talked about. But that's a character that I think they've done pretty well for me, like having not met them before. 
uh, since I haven't seen Rebels, like kind of just starting this show, I was already kind of into that character and I like their vibe and kind of that, you know, rebellious nature. And now a few episodes in seeing other dynamic with her former master, now her master again, you can kind of understand maybe why there's some frustrations there. So it's an easy character to root for, even at the end of episode four, when she did what she did, you know, she's trying to save her friend, but maybe there's a plan. So I don't know. I'm just enjoying kind of watching that character. And then behind the scenes, it's definitely Kevin Kiner, who I don't think I'd really heard his Star Wars stuff until Tales of the Jedi. And I remember whenever we talked about that, we were just like, dang, this, you know, this score is really good. And then to find out that he's done basically all the animated stuff and then to watch this, it's like, it's really his his scores are really standing out to me on the Star Wars side. I really like the Vader theme at the end with Anakin when he made an appearance. I'm excited to see how he uses like that more iconic Star Wars stuff, but in more kind of subtle manners. All right, guys. Well, it is time for the bulk of our show. It is time for a freeform discussion here. Each of us just kind of watched these episodes, took some points down, things that we wanted to spend a little bit more time on. So we're going to do that. So let's just start with some general opening points. I know we had talked about maybe. You know, starting with kind of the, that tone that we mentioned in the critical reception and our non-spoiler, as well as some of the like MacGuffins and stuff like that. So what do you guys want to start with first? And we've spent a lot of time talking about the actual storyline of this show. So let's start there. With the first two episodes, it's all about we got to get this map, got to get this map. And for me, that felt very close to finding the whole key deal in The Rise of Skywalker. And Matt, I know that's your favorite Star Wars project of all time. So did that bother you uh, with the premiere of the show? No, I didn't really think about it, but now that you bring it up, it's kind of hard not to compare. It's very, very similar. Down to the point of we need to find this MacGuffin, which will basically act as a map, and then only when we have that will we will be able to get to this secret, like scary dark place <laughs> in Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> it's like this weird key that you need to put into a ship that allows you to go to Palpatine's house and hang out with him. And then in this one it's to show you how to get to another galaxy, whole, whole crazy thing. So I didn't really think about it too much. Now that you know we talk about it out loud, it's like strikingly similar. But I guess maybe one of the positives is I didn't really notice or think about it while watching because I think this show just did that kind of similar thing a lot better. So it didn't really strike me as being too similar at the time because I think <laughs> the MacGuffin and Rise of Skywalker is so comically strange how it works. <laughs> it's like find a key, insert it into your ship, and now... You still have to be a really good pilot, but you need to do that so you can get to the place. It's very weird. So this was just a lot better. And then your grandpa Palpatine will be waiting for you when you land. Do you think Ahsoka is going to meet her grandpa? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it is similar to Rise of Skywalker, and it, it definitely stood out to me. I think the actual use of the map is way better, though. Even them just like putting into this like star chart that come, rises up and like points to the galaxy. That just like visually looked really cool, so I enjoyed that. And then the idea of we're jumping to a whole new galaxy is something we haven't really seen in Star Wars, so I'm excited to see where that leads to. I thought that was cool. We don't really get to see what like the Star Wars galaxy looks like a whole lot. We know all the different planets, and sometimes they mention like the distance between each planet and which system they're in. Like we see it's the map scene. Parsecs. And- yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the Attack of the Clones scene. We all know that one with a. Trying to find Camino, we see that map. He's lost a star system. How embarrassing! <laughs> but, <laughs> but to see a different galaxy is pretty cool. Um, yeah. I like I like the the scene, the ending scene in uh, episode four with um, Ray Stevenson's character uh, looking at it, and they're trying to figure it out. So yeah, yeah. I'm curious what it's going to look like. I mean, will it just look 
I don't know. Is there anything that's going like, to visually stand out? How much time do we spend there? It kind of seems like that's where we're going next week. Uh, I don't know. So very intriguing to me. And I just I like that like MacGuffins can be so stupid. And I kind of like that they had fun and almost were, like poking fun. I think at MacGuffins whenever uh, we use it to its full potential, we get the map. We know where we got to go to this other galaxy. We have the path. And then uh, ba- Balin just pops out his lightsaber and just destroys it. He's like, OK, we're done with that story. <laughs> OK, bye. <laughs> so I, th- I like that stuff. Do you have any theories of what we might see in this new galaxy? I think for me, the interesting thing is if this is connecting to the First Order and we're seeing the rise of that, if you look at just the sequel trilogy in a vacuum, it is kind of weird to think about how quickly the First Order was able to build up that massive army. So is Thrawn in this new galaxy with the fleet ready to go? And that's how they built up so quickly. Like, do you have any theories about what could be waiting for them once they get there? So we know the gap between episodes six and seven are like 30 years. So it does beg the question now that we're relatively far along, we must be like 10 or 15 years in, I want to say, to that gap. So if let's say at most we're like 15 years in. So and the Empire is still kind of around like we know. I think they keep calling them like the Imperial remnants in this show. It's the people that have stuck around and still have maintained some sort of allegiance to the Empire despite the Empire's fall. So how do we go in another 15 years from just having these remnants around to the entire First Order's regime being in full force by the time of Force Awakens, having that entire planet converted into basically a Death Star. It's like, how did that happen? We didn't see Thrawn in those sequel movies, but it could be possible they go to this galaxy to... Sabine wants to do it to try and find Ezra, but then Ahsoka's um, kind of fear comes true, and by doing that good thing, they end up doing a bad thing and bringing Thrawn back, and maybe you're right. So maybe that's what's waiting for us in a galaxy. He's already built something up, and that kind of turns into the basis of the First Order. That could be cool. So yeah, I think that's one of the things that works about this show is obviously we have some villains who we'll talk about here in a sec, but then just having that like big looming threat of Thrawn, even though we haven't seen uh, the shows that he's appeared in, I think they're doing a good enough job without without having even seen him yet, like kind of scared about what that could bring. And it sounds like, you know, he's high enough up and respected enough by everybody that's still around in the Empire that if he comes back, it's kind of that's all it would take for them to like full force, stop hiding their allegiance and then just join him. So I'm liking that looming threat. But, you know, let's talk about our like on screen villains so far. You know, you have Morgan Elsbeth returning from a quick stint in Mando season two. Um, But our main ones is we have our. We don't, I guess we don't know what to call them yet. I guess our Dark Jedis, maybe our Fallen Jedis. That was a title episode for our weird non-Jedis that are kind of Jedis, but they're also mercenaries. Whatever you want to call them with Balin and Shin. What do you guys want to talk about with them? Because it sounds like we were enjoying the like Ahsoka Sabine Master and Apprentice relationship, and it's nice to have a mirrored version of that in this show on the darker side as well. You mentioned it earlier, Matt, but seeing two former Jedis as mercenaries is super interesting because... They don't seem really bought into the Emperor and the Sith and all that stuff. They just seem like they're out there. I think Balin at one point says I'm a survivor. Um, so that it seems like that's really all they're trying to do. And I know they talk about like what is going to happen when this new war comes. And Balin says like for some fear and fighting, for others power. And it, se- it seems like he's after like the power and and things like that. So I'm interested to see that carry on more. It is. Um, And then to your point with the looming threat of Thrawn, I also don't have any connections to him, but seeing how scared everybody else is in this show of Thrawn coming back and even how seeing how like in awesome of like the Empire side of the people are of the fact that finding Thrawn again has made him seem like this larger than life figure to me. So looking forward to seeing him 
in the show and we actually get to meet him. Yeah, me too. Because like, yeah, like you said, everybody seems scared shitless of him. <laughs> and they're like, oh crap, they're going to go get Thrawn? Like he's been in hiding forever. What you said about Balin, Austin, I guess I maybe missed some stuff or maybe it just they hadn't gotten to it yet. I just, I'm still kind of trying to figure out his motivations with things. Like you said, he's kind of like a, um, almost like a Count Dooku type character. Like Dooku, even though Dooku was like Palpatine's right-hand man for a while, sort of, but he was also more in it for himself too. Um, I don't. I still don't think Dooku was bought into fully into the Sith. Well, that's kind of what we learned in Tales of the Jedi too. Exactly. He only turned to the Sith because the Jedi Code was holding him back. Exactly. He just kind of wanted to do his own thing. So that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from Balin too. Um, like he just doesn't give a shit about the Jedi Order or the Sith Order either. Um, but he but he still might have some evil tendencies. Do you think Balin was potentially trained in the Jedi arts by Count Dooku? Count Dooku. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of with you, Keith. I, I'm enjoying the character, but I'm I'm interested to find out more about the motivations because now it's kind of mercurial a little bit, kind of with that speech that Austin mentioned. And then in episode four, he kind of doubles down again on the power side of it. So you're like, is that all it is? But then you wonder, for someone to survive Order 66, you know, we see a lot of Jedis that did that, that maintained, you know, the light side. But I guess maybe some people after Order 66, they just got so... Maybe they felt like if the Jedi Order could be taken down like that, that what was the point of it all? And maybe that turns them a bit more uh, dark, so to speak. So maybe that's what happened with him. I don't know. Why does he then like insist on taking an apprentice uh, and training her in the styles of the Jedi? So I guess I wouldn't call it a Sith. So it's all very interesting. I'm, I'm hoping, like, I'm hoping they actually dive into them. I hope by like by the end of this, it's, we don't look back going like, oh, those were kind of cool characters, but we didn't really learn anything about them. Like, I actually want to know more about these people. An interesting thing, too, is Shin almost seems more closer to the Sith than Balin yep. does. She's using, yes. um, you know, the Force Choke. She seems a lot more bought into almost like being evil. Like, it's, it almost seems like Balin has to hold her back sometimes from leaning all the way into the dark side. Um, let's talk about the Jedi side of things. Other than the dumpster fire that was Obi-Wan, this is kind of the first Jedi-centric show we've seen um, like on the Disney Plus side of things. Are we liking that? I know like originally when The Mandalorian got pitched, it was, we're going to just tell you a cool story set in Star Wars. We don't need things to be connected. And of course, by the end of that, things started to get more connected. Um, I have been surprised how much I've been enjoying seeing a show connected to the original trilogy and the prequels and the sequel. Like usually I, I've kind of been burnt out on that sort of stuff in Star Wars, but they've done such a good job of it that I'm pretty bought in and I'm excited to be actually like filling in the gaps in between the various trilogies. Yeah. Speaking of the timelines, like you said, Austin, it was always frustrating for me for them to pitch something cool like the Mandalorian and be very explicit. Like this is just another side of the galaxy, right? So it's like, oh, okay, finally something that is removed from the Skywalker stuff. And then, you I mean, once we get to season two of that, I mean, we're already fully connecting to the Skywalker stuff. And that was kind of frustrating. But my thing is, like, I would much rather have something that embraces the like connectivity and like filling in the gaps of a timeline uh, as opposed to something like The Mandalorian, which promises the opposite and then goes against that. So, you know what? If they just are like, we're just going to fully fill in these gaps, that's what we want to do. Fine. I'll, I'll buy into that, too, since at least you're you know, being honest and embracing that idea. And I think it's cool how they've done it so far. And I, I'm with you. I'm I Obi-Wan was a show that I was so looking forward to. 
uh, not only as a character we knew, but kind of just like a full-on Jedi-centric show. Don't think they did a good job of delivering that. But so far, this is really giving me that. Like, I'm liking that it's just full-on, like, Jedis. We're getting tons of fun action with them. We're getting tons of, like, interesting kind of moral conversations and dilemmas that kind of feel similar to some, like, other conversations we've seen Jedis have in both the prequels, the originals, and the sequels, and all that jazz. So I'm just liking that it's like a full-on Jedi show. I think that's really cool. And seeing that in live action is also can be a fun thrill. And Rosario Dawson, like we've all said, is doing a great job of carrying that. Um, a very stoic character, but I still am liking kind of the bits of levity that pop through. You know, we kind of saw that vibe in Tales of the Jedi. Obviously, I think when she's way younger in Clone Wars, we would we would have seen stuff like that too. So I'm liking as she's matured and like having like the weight of the world on her shoulders when it comes to the Thrawn. And like the moral implication of like, if we save Ezra, that might bring Thrawn back. So she is naturally, I think, very stoic, but I'm liking kind of the bits of flair and like levity that pop out. And I'm liking that master and apprentice relationship, too. Yeah, I have seen a few complaints that she's too monotone and there's no emotion with her. Um, and I haven't I, that hasn't bothered me at all. I've I've enjoyed kind of seeing her be a wiser Jedi, um, you know, kind of more passing on her knowledge to Sabine. Yeah, I think. That was maybe my main problem with this. I don't find her monotone at all either. I think Rosario Dawson plays her well, and I think it's her kind of her character too. Is that she's a, like you said, a much stoic, uh, more wise Jedi than she was like as a teenager in the Clone Wars. She's also been through a lot of shit since then. Like she, you know, in the Clone Wars, she is a happy-go-lucky Padawan with paired with Obi Wan and Anakin, and then by the time we get to this show. Anakin's betrayed everybody. She's watched all of her Jedi friends get murdered. She's been through multiple wars. I think it would make a, a lot of sense that she's not that same character that we saw in the Clone Wars. Yes, exactly. That's what, kind of what I was getting at earlier, but like about wondering her age because she's seen, like you said, she's seen, she's seen the Clone Wars. That she's seen the Separatists die. Then she sees the rise of the Empire. Then she sees the Empire die. And now she's seeing the rise of the First Order. She's going through like three different eras. She's seen a hideous Luke Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's why she's interesting to me, which I think was why I just kind of want more, a little bit more from her, I guess, and yeah. hopefully we get it. I just want more dialogue about into the past. Well, I think they're directly setting that up for next episode, I would guess. I mean, her turning around in this weird, like, I don't know, like weird afterlife looking thing and like seeing Anakin there. Have to imagine we're going to get some interesting conversations, maybe some flashbacks that are giving you uh, some insight into the past, like you're mentioning. Should we touch on the Anakin of it all? That obviously was the Annie. big teaser um, at the end of this episode. They're in, I think it's called the Force Plane, which I looked it up. It's some like otherly void in Star Wars where like, I guess you can reach back in time and things like that. So they're in this kind of void and she is now meeting with um, a Force Anakin. Very cool moment. I certainly didn't expect that. I guess I... I guess I knew going into the show. Now I can't even remember that. Like, I, I feel like it maybe was announced that Hayden Christensen would come back to this as well, like he had with Obi-Wan. Um, but maybe I forgot about it because I definitely popped for this moment. I thought it was cool um, seeing her lose that fight to Balin and be transported here somehow. And then there's her old master who they've already done good setup when it comes to the master and apprentice for everybody in this show, including hers and Anakin's by talking about it and how she feels about it. So, yeah, I'm very excited to see what this leads to, whether... Even if it's just them sitting down and having some conversations, like I feel like that could be really interesting, especially on live action. So, yeah, great moment. And like you said earlier, uh, having that music rise and then ending with the Vader theme coming in is like her smile kind of fades away a little bit because obviously she's going to be conflicted about seeing him and then just cutting to credits was a pretty sick little uh, 
ending there. What do you think, Keith? Seeing our favorite boy Annie back. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Um, I, yeah, I like this whole, I guess, like purgatory type state that she's in. It does make me question things, though, because uh, you y'all brought up the the Vader theme. Is like, is this going to be like a good like Force Ghost? Because we know there is a good Force Ghost of Anakin. He's come back. We've seen him before. I think it's got to be. I think I think that Vader theme came in just because I don't think they've had a confrontation since he betrayed everybody. So yeah. maybe she's going to be upset at, at seeing Anakin. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited for this because we just got a little glimpse of it in Return of the Jedi. So I'm excited to get to explore like seeing Anakin after he's already been Vader and kind of come back and like spend more time there. That's what's really exciting to me about the coming episodes. That's what I hope it is. I really hope that this is, I guess, that version of Anakin that has been quote unquote redeemed. You guys know how I feel about using the word redeemed when it comes to Anakin. <laughs> you can't commit a... Uh, galaxy-wide genocide for that long i feel like and still save your son once and be called redeemed <laughs> by the fan base um but anyway to see an anakin that's gone through all that like you said and be that same force ghost from return of the jedi that's what i hope it is um i still will i feel like i'll enjoy it no matter what they give us but if it's just like kind of like this vision of something familiar she's seeing i don't think that would be as interesting um and i feel like if they want to continue what they're setting up with like the master apprentice side of like how it's hard for um, Ahsoka to be a good master uh, to Sabine because of everything she's gone through and how that's changed her with the Anakin of it all. I feel like if they're trying to conclude that by the end of this show, I feel like the only way she can fully do that is to get closure with, you know, an Anakin that has already been Vader and then died. I feel like that's how she can be the become the better master for Sabine by getting that closure. So that's what I'm hoping it is. But we'll see. I guess I want to ask you guys this, Keith, you mentioned like the flying whales and stuff like that in uh, your intro. And then we're now getting this like force plane thing. I don't know what it is with Star Wars, but I'm all for buying like people can use the force and there's all this tech and there's lightsabers and all that stuff. Like none of that stuff seems like too far for me. But then the second they try to do like flying space monsters and all that, like we saw in the like, console, it starts to get too much for me. So I'm a little worried that We've done the whales, and I know they were the whales are actually pretty important in the Rebels show, and now we're in this like force plane world where I guess you can mess with time there. Like, is this going to get too far over the top? Like, you can do a lot of that easier in animation. Is it going to seem silly in live action? With the original movies, there's always been like funny looking like animals and creatures and all these planets. But I have, yeah, I think you are right, and maybe onto something with these shows. Like, they've kind of like gone even more into like the crazier looking animals and a lot of these planets like the flying whales and then we even saw it in mando season three like that one godzilla looking monster thing i hope they can kind of tame it that kind of stuff down a little bit yeah when it comes to like the the whales and stuff like that it doesn't bother me as much but yeah the, the whole force plane or this between world thing is is a hard pill to swallow but i think once we get more context of it we'll probably feel better about it but it is still weird just to say that in star wars there is this thing I don't know. <laughs> it's just a, an odd thing to think about. We'll see. I'm curious what they'll do with it. So before we close out here, um, one thing that, you know, we talked about this being a Jedi-centric show, and I think one of the cool things about that is we've been getting some fun action every episode, I guess, technically, um, from like the, the first Sabine and Shin fight to Ahsoka on Corellia, like jumping out a window and like fighting that Inquisitor for the first time. Episode three, you get like the space stuff and then Obviously, we get some really cool fights in episode four with like the Sabine Shin rematch. Like watching Balin fight too, he's just like basically treats like the lightsaber like a bastard sword. <laughs> it was really yeah, interesting awesome. to see. Yeah, it looks um, like the um, like broadsword saber from the Jedi game. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so I've, I've been really liking the action so far, and I'm excited that that probably is a sign that we're going to get a lot more. Any standout moments for you guys? I think what I've been enjoying is none of it looks bad. I don't know what the budget is for this show, but it looks just as good as some of the movies do. Um, the choreography has been really cool. I've liked seeing Ahsoka fight with her dual sabers, but then also like she'll do harder fights with her single saber. It's cool to see her skills there. I did enjoy the like training with her and Sabine when they were kind of doing like martial arts stuff. Like I thought that looked awesome. It doesn't look bad, which is what I'm, I think I'm most happy about because stuff in the Mandalorian has not looked very good. I think like season three didn't look good. So it's cool to see the investment they're putting into this show. Yeah, I'm looking more I'm looking forward to more action scenes with Ahsoka. Like you said, Austin, I do like her her lightsaber wielding scenes and the different types that she can do. I did like some of the uh space battles too. I always appreciate a good like dogfight with the ships. Those are always fun. I guess there was one scene that I thought was pretty cool, and that's whenever she was fighting like that Darth Maul type lightsaber dude. What was the green like Darthamore magic that exploded out of him. Yeah, I wonder if that's tied to that Morgan Elsbeth character. So I think when we first saw Maroc, he was with her. So maybe she like resurrected an old Inquisitor yeah. or something, which is kind of a cool idea. Does that mean he's mm. dead or can he like, I don't know, can they just put that back into him and then he wakes <laughs> back up? I don't know. Well, and I know when we saw Elsbeth in The Mandalorian, I never realized she was a night sister from Dathomir. So that was cool to find that out in this show and see her use the green magic. Great stuff there. I think we have tons more action on the way. That's something I'm looking forward to. But guys, with that, let's close out. Is there anything else besides that that you're in particularly like looking forward to for uh, the second half of this season? I, I think the main thing is I am hoping we actually spend a lot of time in this new galaxy. I want to explore that and it'll be something brand new that we haven't really seen in Star Wars. So that's what I'm most anticipating. I am getting a little nervous that since they jumped already... Are they going to find them and then jump back? And maybe we're not going to spend a lot of time because Ahsoka and Sandula didn't follow and they don't have the map. So it's going to be kind of weird if they can just get there easily after all the time we spent with the map and everything like that. So is it just going to be like Sabine and Balin are going to be there for an episode and then they're all going to jump back together? Like, what does that look like? I think I'd be disappointed if we didn't spend time in this new galaxy. Um, and then the other thing I'm wondering is, is this going to be fully resolved by the end of the show? Because we do know they have that Mandoverse movie coming, oh, which you yeah. would think would like culminate in them maybe having to fight Thrawn or something like that. So are they going to leave us like hanging or are we going to get a full, concise story in the show? I'm OK if they want to like leave some threads open. I just feel like when it ends, we don't go, oh, great. Like there was like no closure. I just hope we get some closure with some of these storylines. If they want to leave some things open, I'm open to that. But I just want to feel good at the end that like it was worth watching this story particularly. I don't know really what I'm wanting. I, I'm kind of with you, Austin. I do want to see what, what comes from this new galaxy. Um, and maybe things are going to work a lot different in this galaxy than what we're used to in, in our normal Star Wars universe. What else? I, I, yeah, I, I think I'm just wanting more closure with Ahsoka too because we know she's not going to be in the, the last trilogy. I want to know what happens to her. Maybe she passes away. Maybe she just goes on. Maybe she goes on to live that new galaxy. Who knows? She does speak to Rey. And the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, so... Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm just really excited to see Thrawn. Like, does he live up to kind of this looming threat they've presented? Yeah. What's that going to look like? And, like, we've already kind of theorized, does he... Do they... It is just a, it is a weird idea. It's like they got transported to this galaxy, now we're going there. And it's like, is it simple as, like, we just go, we follow this map, we go there, there he is, and then we pick him up and go back? Is that how easy it is? I don't know. Like, does he have kind of some 
uh, irons in the fire in this other galaxy as he started like trying to plan certain things. We'll see. Uh, so I'm very excited for that. Curious to see where they go, like we talked about with the um, Anakin Skywalker stuff. Do Does Ahsoka get closure there? That's what my hope is. Um, do we get like some cool flashbacks that kind of give us some context to that? That could also be really cool. But yeah, I'm just really, really excited for the second half of the season. That's a good feeling to have which, because some of these Star Wars shows, I don't get that kind of excitement feeling. I think they've done a good job setting up the story so much so that I'm very, very curious how it will unfold and ultimately end. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know. Like, I feel like tons of different stuff could happen. I have no idea. All right, guys. Well, we'll see what ends up happening in the second half of Ahsoka. Very curious. No clue where it's going to go, but I'm excited for all the possibilities. But before we fully close out here, let's, of course, do our Arnie's Podcast Awards, the part of our show where we take something from whatever we just talked about. It could be positive, negative, or something in between. Guys, what's getting your award today? I'm going to give the I'm proud of you, Dave Filoni Award. Mm. We have not seen a single speck of sand in this show yet. Not one piece of Very desert, true. not even a hint of a desert planet. Uh, nothing that could even rhyme with Tatooine. So I'm proud of you, Dave Filoni. We have not spent any time in the desert planets that we know Star Wars loves so much. No Jakku, <laughs> no Tatooine. Very proud of you, Dave. Jakku. What if, like, next episode, Ahsoka's yeah. like, we need a bounty hunter. Where can we find bounty hunters? <laughs> oh, I know this place called Maz Isley. It's on this planet oh, called no! Tatooine. <laughs> we have to go. If, yeah, if they do that, I probably won't finish the show. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. I'm going to give the best character intro award, and that goes to Sabine. I thought her scene on that bike going down that highway was so cool with the rock that music, cool. the like the metal music playing in the background. I was like, we've never really got like rock and roll in Star Wars before. Yeah, I was thinking that too, actually. So, Other than the like, Mos Eisley Cantina music. Yeah, I was like, this is awesome. Like they need, they need, they should put more rock <laughs> in Star Wars. Yeah. I, was, I was pumped up whenever those guys were uh, flying inside her. So that was cool. My award is an important one, one that I often feel when uh, taking in Star Wars content, no matter what it is. And so I guess I have to call this award the, whoa, okay, you got me with that. I'm really excited. Uh-oh, now I'm nervous. And guys, this is for the Anakin reveal moment, because there's one key thing we need to bring up here. You know, like like we said, with Obi-Wan, they did not de-age him, which I thought actually worked pretty well. Uh, he, he still looks really young. But in here, they decided to de-age him. And I was like, wow. That looks pretty good. So you got me, and I'm excited, but I'm nervous. What's it going to look like when that mouth opens? Because <laughs> <laughs> it could look terrible while he's talking. Uh, as we know, when it comes to our friend and his son, Luke. <laughs> so I hope they don't ruin this reveal by having his mouth just not at all match what he's saying. <laughs> I just hope for Hayden's sake, too, that he gets a good Star Wars project, because he's been shit on for a lot of the time in this, <laughs> in this franchise. Yeah. I didn't even ask him to voice Anakin in the Clone Wars show. No. And I just hope he got paid decently for Obi-Wan. I mean, because he signed on to that show and he spent all of it inside the Darth Vader suit. Like, <laughs> I know he loves Star Wars, but that, that does seem like a weird gig. So I just hope he got <laughs> paid well for it. <laughs> beautiful show, though. Beautiful show. We all agree with that. Uh, all right, guys. Well, with that, thank you all so much for listening. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we would appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and the TheArnie's.media is the website. We're back next Tuesday with another episode.
All right. Lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us the Arnie's media at gmail.com. What did you think of Ahsoka's premiere? What do you hope for the rest of the season? Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this one. We'll see you next time. Send me good vibes. When Anakin's mouth opens, we need to put it out in the world that we need it to look good. <laughs> see ya. John Favreau, keep your grubby little hands out of this show. <laughs> <laughs>